Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. And uh, I'm not spending any time with my wife or my son or my uh, you know two-year-old daughter at this point. Not spending any time with them at all. I'm just working like crazy. I'm spending like you know 90-hour work weeks every single week, uh, and it's all for the kingdom, right? It's all for the kingdom. At the end of the two-week campaign, my right arm. I'm just working on my computer, and each day I'm, I'm realizing, like, each day my arm feels more and more sore and tired. But I just kind of push that out of my mind. I just keep slamming it every single day. And by the end of that second week, my right arm had completely frozen up. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the podcast that shares encouraging stories and practical tools to help pull you out of your rut and into a life worth living. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and we're going to be joined by podcaster and family man, Paul Hastings. I met Paul at Spark Christian Podcasters Conference in 2021. We hit it off really well. And the reason why I have him on the show to talk with us today is that he shared with me a story that was just very compelling, uh, just like the title of his podcast, Compelled. And it was about how when he was 29 years old, he was working so hard, working for a greater purpose, one that was devoted to God, using his tools, his skills, his strengths to spread God's message in a sense. Well, it started to cost him the mobility in his arm. Uh, it started with numbness, and then it, it just became paralyzed. And in the end, what he realized was that his whole life was out of whack. And he was justifying that through, I'm living for God. I'm doing this for God. And so we're going to talk about how do you find that balance again so that you can continue to do that greater good, that greater work, but also maintain your family, your fitness, your finances, and so on. Because here at Beyond the Rut, we're all about the whole person, faith, family, fitness, finances, and your outlook on future possibility. And, and so Paul's message is just that. So sit back and relax unless you are, I don't know, uh, throwing down rhymes to uh, a new beat. And then in that case, I guess record that first and then come listen to us or listen to us first and then throw down those sick rhymes to those sick beats. I don't know where that came from, guys, but here we go. All right. Hey, Paul, thanks so much for joining me on the show. How are things in your part of Texas? They're good, man. Uh, our, my daughter, our youngest child, is just about to turn one next week. The, the, the one-year-old, man. So, yeah, you have three kids, the four-year-old, two-year-old, and one-year-old. And, um, and our youngest is 18 now. So my baby girl is now 18 years old, off to college. Oh, that's crazy, man. And, oh, man. You know, the one thing I cannot watch without losing my stuff is um, Monsters, Inc., Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, because uh, we used to actually put my daughter's hair in the two like ponytails or pigtails at the top of her head. Oh, man. And uh, our daughter would sound like Boo. And I was like her Sully. And so they're just like, uh, even though my personality is more like Mike Wazowski. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll just send each other the, the gif where Boo is hungy, hugging um, Sully. And then that's it. I just start crying. I'm like, oh, my oh, baby girl is you. And then she laughs because she made her dad cry. So, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh man! Oh it man! Happened so fast. It it 
just man. So yet all those adults used to tell us, Hey, embrace them now. Cause they're going to grow so quick. And I was like, ah, whatever. I hate yeah. you guys. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. man. Now is she your only daughter or do you have, um, so I've got an older daughter. So I've got a four year old girl, a two year old son, and then my one year old daughter. Oh man. Uh, and yeah, so they keep us very busy. My wife and I just watched Monsters at Work, which is the oh. Disney Plus series based in the Monsters, uh, Monsters Inc. universe. And uh, yeah, so I'm very much in tune with everything you're talking about right now. Although right now I'm in the midst of the 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 diapers and the smelliness and all that stuff going yeah. on right now. So right now all the kids are in another part of the house right now having a phone call with their grandparents. So that's why oh. we're able to have a, a conversation here without being interrupted. Nice. Until that call is done and then exactly it's, it's truly going to be a family show. <laughs> exactly. Then I'll be the BBC dad. There we go. <laughs> Awesome. Now, I wanted you to be on the show because uh, you and I met in 2021 at the Spark Christian Podcasters Conference in Dallas. Um, Man, that's hosted by Spark Media, uh, Misty and Philip. Oh, no, Misty and Pete. Philip, gosh, having two first names, man. Pete, you got me. (laughs) Um, So yeah, through them. And you were the MC of that event and you really stood out. I remember I was getting like quick little sound bites from folks who were attending and uh, uh, Michelle Watson said, Hey, are you looking for other people to interview? I'm like, yeah, I want to grab as many folks as I can showcase of, you know, where they're helping people get unstuck or getting out of their ruts to live a life fulfilled and with purpose. And she said, great. You need to talk to this guy, Paul, like the MC Paul. She said, yeah. And she brought you over and we had a quick, like five minute conversation. I knew, okay, we got We got to have a full episode just for paul sure and so i'm glad you're able to be on here and uh yeah i'm excited bam oh <laughs> glad to join you man glad to join you awesome now you are the host of a show called compelled and you've been doing that show i think just under two years or about two years by the time this airs uh actually four years since four years. 2018 yep yep ah. long time See, long that's, time that's why i should not do the math based on the number of episodes <laughs> Just look that's at right. The, <laughs> look at the first that's date. Right. Oh man! And yep. uh, very good show. So if you haven't heard it yet, you got to check it out after you listen to this episode. It's called Compelled, and you know with that you're sharing stories of folks who have felt compelled to go pursue something um, with purpose. And you know, of course, in the context of you and I, our, our faith, we're talking about that Christian purpose. Um, yeah. And so, what was it that inspired you to help people in that way? That did to go yeah. and just identify that and then go after it. Yeah, great question. So, and I hope hopefully this will be a helpful uh helpful helpful soundbite for those that are listening. So, when I was first uh out of high school, I started working for the Texas Homeschool Coalition and I was their political director. Uh and then I did that for several years and then eventually I branched out into my own political consulting practice and for about 10 years I was very active in the Texas political scene. I ran statewide campaigns, I did uh, millions of dollars worth of mail and stuff like all those little mailers that you get in the mail that you look at and say like vote for so and so he's great yeah. and then you got another piece of mail that says don't vote for so and so he's awful <laughs> uh, i was the guy behind the scenes making those pieces of mail happen so uh in 2018 uh, we had just finished a brutal campaign cycle and i was just exhausted um i had a young daughter at that point uh, i was newly married and it had just been you know 70 hour work weeks for like you know several several months straight. And I was just exhausted. And one thing that I had realized is that, you know, after working in the political arena for so long is I was pretty jaded. 
Um, I would just feel like, you know, I'd work for these candidates who would assure me that they were the best thing since, you know, Swiss cheese. And then they'd get elected and then they'd become like, you know, terrible. And then I, like a few months later, I'm sorry, a few years later, I'd end up working for their opponent. Oh, wow. It, it was just crazy. You know, it's just crazy stuff going on. And um, I really began to ask my wife, like, hey, is this really what God wants us to do? Right. Because I definitely believe that political work can be definitely can be kingdom work. But I was just at this phase where I was just really burned out. I had also realized that the way I was treating my family, so like my my young daughter and my wife, the way I was treating them was directly correlated to like how I was feeling based on work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like if my candidates were doing really well, then I was like all happy. And if a, a hit piece had come out against one of my candidates, then I could be like really upset at home. And it was just not a good work-life balance. And work was like blending over into my family. And I just felt like a lot of unrest and uh, just not at peace about like, is this really what God wants me to be doing. So in 2018, we had just finished the Texas primary. Uh, my wife and I, we went to uh, an event in Tennessee, which was, it was just a Christian film festival. Um, but at this festival, we sat down and my wife and I just took about a day and just began writing down the the assets that we felt that we had. And these are not just like monetary assets, but relationships, people that we knew, talents, skills that she and I had, and really began asking and praying and asking God like, hey, you know, these are the things that we believe that you've given us. Um, what do you want us to do with these things? And as we talked about it, um, yeah, we just kind of uh, bounced around a whole bunch of different ideas. And I said, you know what? I feel as though something that would have a lot more meaning and purpose in this political work right now would be highlighting people with compelling stories about how God has transformed their life. And I said that I felt personally I had met a lot of just random people that had crazy cool stories. And these people were truly random. Like they were not like famous. They didn't have books. They didn't have, you know, public presences, social media followings. They were just random people that God had radically transformed. And so I said, you know, why don't we go out and uh, we'll make we'll make videos with these people, like little video testimonials, and we'll make these. And that'll just be like a side project that we'll do. And I'll still keep doing the political stuff until we can figure something else out. And so, uh, but then of course, you know, as I was thinking about making videos about these people and trying to make something really high quality, I said, you know what, that's just too high of a, a bar bar of excellence. Uh, let, let's do podcasting instead, because that's so much simpler, right? So <laughs> much easier. <laughs> and so, uh, so that's what we, uh, we, we did that. So we reached out to some friends of ours. And so like, you know, we were, we, we interviewed several folks. Again, these were just people that were not famous, but they had incredible testimony. Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, one of them, a friend of mine named Carol Everett, and she was an abortion clinic owner back in the nineties in Dallas. She owned three different clinics. Uh, she eventually, oh, and, and as a, as an owner, she still, you know, went to church every Sunday. She tithed. 10% from every abortion dollar that she made. She kept a Bible in her drawer and would pray every morning asking that God would not let any women die during the procedures in her clinics. Um, obviously, she was uh, very misguided, and God eventually got a hold of her, turned her life upside down, and today she's you know this huge pro-life advocate uh, just behind the scenes here in Texas. And she's like, you know, 75 now. And just a very powerful testimony we had. Uh, We had another friend that we interviewed and... um this guy was like a, he was like a, a young skater punk back in the, uh, I guess, what, 80s, 90s. Uh, he became suicidal. And when he was 18, he finally decided to commit suicide one night. He took out a piece of paper and wrote his suicide note. 
Uh, and after he had written the note, then he decided he better pray to God, asking forgiveness before he committed suicide. Um, and that was the first time he had prayed to God. And so he just, he prayed to God, asking forgiveness and asking, dear God, I'm about to kill myself. Please forgive me. Please don't send me to hell. And when he finished the prayer, he just felt this crazy thought like, huh, if I'm ready to give up my life, why don't I just give up my life to myself first? Why don't I commit a spiritual suicide first and try out this Christianity thing that people keep telling me about? Wow. Uh, And so, yeah. And so that was that. And then he became a Christian that night. uh, And today he's a pastor. Um, And just story after story, again, random folks that no one would ever really know about or about their testimonies and stories. And so we just began capturing these stories. And it was just something that was really, uh, really powerful and meaningful. So that's how that's how Compelled came about. Man, I love that. Um, I mean, I've been doing Beyond the Rut for about six years now. And uh, there's just like stories of folks who just felt stuck. Uh, They hit a low. uh, And then that aha moment that just shifted things. And uh, it, so to hear that there's other folks out there doing that on it, you know, with slightly different flavor and it, but the stories are just so impactful. It, it, you know, we, as a people, as a species, we learn from stories, you know, it's just, yeah. you know, the majority of the world, I believe lives in a collective or collaborative type of society. And the way we pass knowledge from one uh, person to another, you know, is given relevance because of the stories that we tell. And, you know, people can resonate to different stories. You know, somebody yeah. might uh, relate to a story about military life and a military situation. When, and then somebody who's never been in the military before will be like, I, I don't get it. Or uh, you try to tell somebody uh, a football story that has an analogy to it, a lesson. And Somebody who's never played football or never done sports is not going to be able to connect with that. And then, you know, somebody, you know, I know somebody who has a podcast about quilting wow. and she's impacting lives through talking about quilting. And I'm like, how, how are you changing the world through quilting of all things? Like, you know, and, and that's not a judgment. I, I think it's amazing. Like, you know, somebody had it on her heart to have a show about quilting, puts it out there and she is just bringing comfort and joy and hope to people through this platform of podcasting, but specifically about stories about quilting. And, and so compelled is in, in this like, you know, arena, you know, yeah. taking ground for a greater good. I, I love it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. What would you say is the biggest challenge you faced, uh, in having this show, uh, for four years? Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use cap show to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content like podcast episodes or YouTube videos into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Yeah, yeah, good question. You know, uh, and and I'll tell a little story about this. So one of the things that, you know, know, once you begin podcasting, you know, you can get really into it and become really driven. And especially if you're trying to work a full-time job at the same time, but Mm -hmm. then you really want to commit to the podcast also. So it can like, you know, be be pulled two two different factors pulling at you. 
And so my wife and I, you know, we started the show and it was really, it was my show, right? Like I was the one who was really into it. My wife was fully supportive of it, of course. Um, but I'm the one who's like doing the interviews and, you know, working with the editor and everything and listening to all the stuff and producing and all that. And so, you know, my identity very easily got wrapped up into the show. So we launched the show back in 2018. And, you know, I'm still working a full-time job at this point. And in 2019, we decided like, hey, let's, let's go all for broke. Like, let's save up a bunch of money. Uh, and then let's take a few months off of work and just live off our savings just for a few months. And we'll go full-time on the podcast and try to publish as many episodes as possible. Because I should say here, the show is like really highly produced. So we add sound effects and music and narration, and we work with editors and stuff. We probably spend around 40 hours of labor just on each episode alone. Every interview is recorded in person. Uh, so it's, it's a really high premium, high value premium product. And, uh, so you know, I was like, all of, all for this, right? So 2019 rolls around, we're executing the plan, right? Like I've worked for a whole year, saved up a bunch of money that we're going to live off of. And now I'm executing and launching episodes and stuff. And so I'm just like pouring all these hours, like, you know, I'm pouring like 50 hour work weeks, not, not too crazy, but like, it's still hefty, right? 50 hour work weeks into the podcast. Well, in the middle of this, I am approached by one of my old political clients. Actually, I approached them. Um, it was the Texas Homeschool Coalition again. Okay. And a situation had arisen where a young boy had been removed from his family that was homeschooling him. He was four years old, had some special needs, and the state of Texas had erroneously removed him from his family under trumped up uh, allegations of like, you know, medical neglect and abuse yeah. and stuff like this. And it was totally bogus. Very easily, you could tell that it was trumped up and it was actually like a, a personal vendetta uh, by one particular CPS agent. And it was just very obvious. Like anyone, there was video recording of the actual allegations that happened. It was just insane. But because the state had already removed this kid, uh, it was all caught up in the legal system. And so it was going to take like two years just, you know, at the average rate of things for the legal system, it was going to take two years for his case to be held. And in the meantime, this four-year-old little boy was going to remain in foster care for two oh, years. Man. And it was just insane, right? Yeah. And so I'm reading about this online, you know, every every morning I'm waking up and reading the latest headlines about this little boy. Uh, and at the same time, I'm also trying to work my podcast. And so I go to my wife and I say, hey, babe, you know, I really think that we could make a video, like a viral video about this little kid. Um, because that was one of my expertise sets that I had is making viral videos for other clients and stuff. And so I said, hey, babe, I think we can make a viral video and make this thing go really big and we could get this f kid free and stuff. And and she said, well, Paul, you know, definitely we feel for this kid and his family and everything. But at the same time, we also have these other, you know, there's no guarantee that the video is going to go well. Uh, and we have these other commitments uh, that we've already made. We're trying to execute on this podcast thing. Oh, and by the way, we just had our second kid had just been born like a month beforehand. So like all this stuff's going on. And I'm like, babe, hey, on top of the 50 hours a week that I'm throwing, I want to add in like another, you know, it'll be like another two weeks of insanity, you know, like, but we'll, we'll make this viral video. We'll make a website go, that goes with it. We'll launch it with the Texas Homeschool Coalition. They'll be the client and everything. And and she was just had a real unease and un, not not peaceful about like, hey, you know, Someone needs to help this kid, but we don't know if we're the ones to help this kid out right now. Yeah. And so, um, and I, I had this definitely this feeling of like, we, we were definitely not on the same page. Like I really wanted to do it. My wife really did not want us to do it. And, you know, I made the final call and I said, no, we're going to do it. I think that's what we're going to do. Uh, and I was basically kind of like suppressing, I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit, but like I was definitely suppressing my conscience, right? Saying like, this is not a good idea it, because oh. I'll, I'll totally admit, like at the same time, like I wanted to help this kid out. But I also kind of wanted to do this video kind of sort of because my own self, right? Like, you know, I wanted to make a viral video. Like, I, I thought this could go big. 
um, and it would be like a feather in my cap sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I, it, it, twisted motives, right? Yeah. Twisted motives. Almost like to see if you still ha- have it as opposed to yeah, really make a difference. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly, Jerry. To see if I still had it, you know, and it was kind of twisted, man. So like, um, so I, I'm, just, I'm not saying this is the right thing at all. This is the wrong thing, but I'm just telling you this is what happened. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so I, I, I pull the trigger on it. And so I approach the client, Texas Home Co Coalition, they authorize it and we go and make this viral video. Um, and it was a ton of work, right? Cause like, you know, every viral video, there's like, you know, you got to make it, but you, there's this marketing campaign that goes on behind the scenes and all this other stuff going on, website petitions, all this stuff. We launched the project. It is wildly successful. Um, we, you know, the Texas Supreme court intervenes. We raise like a hundred thousand dollars in legal defense. We, uh, get 70,000 signatures. People all across the state are talking about it. Uh, uh, James Dobson from focus on the family, like brings, brings, I mean, everyone's talking about it. Uh, and so like from the world's eyes, you know, what I had done from a, a, from a career perspective was like, awesome. Right. Like, I mean, this, this video was seen by millions of people and stuff like this and the boy is released. It's incredible. Right. That, that, the, the, you know, there's like, I don't know, 30 state senators and, and representatives get involved and stuff. It's just insane. Really successful from that perspective. But on the other side of what was going on again, like, you know, I had the, a, a brand new baby, right. Our, our second kid, our son, uh, he was only a month old. And uh, I'm not spending any time with my wife or my son or my, uh, you know, two-year-old daughter at this point. Not spending any time with them at all. I'm just working like crazy. I'm spending like, you know, 90-hour work weeks every single week, uh, just busting out stuff on my podcast and on this viral video and on some other client work that I was still trying to wrap up. Uh, and it's all for the kingdom, right? It's all for the kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> But my motives are kind of like messed up, right? Because it's, yeah. I, I, it's actually like, it's for the feather in my cap for the kingdom, right? So like very, very messed up. And um, at the end of that two weeks, at the end of the two week campaign, my right arm, I'm just working on my computer and each day I'm, I'm realizing like each day my arm feels more and more sore and tired. Mm. But I just kind of push that out of my mind. It just keeps slamming it every single day. And by the end of that second week, my right arm had completely frozen up. And oh, uh, wow. I thought like, oh man, you know, like, uh, that's not good. I'll take the weekend off, right? Because we had launched the project at this point. <laughs> you know, I'll just take the weekend off. And the weekend, I take the weekend off. I come back to work the next two days later. And my right arm is just completely, it just feels rigid, like the muscle and it's crazy tight. And I realized that I cannot use a mouse or type with this hand. So, of course, I do the only logical thing, and I just continue working another crazy number of hours that week, all with my left hand, Mm. typing with my left hand, using the mouse with my left hand, everything with my left hand. And by the end of that week, my left hand and right hand and arms were completely frozen, and I had overworked the muscles in them. And... um, it became this incredible thing. Like, I could not believe it. Like, here I was, I was like 29 years old and I I could no longer, you know, it was insane. Like, I could not open a door. I could not open the door to my own house. Um, I could not turn on the faucet. Um, it was painful to hold a cup. It was painful to hold a fork or spoon and feed myself. I couldn't use a computer, couldn't use a mouse, could not drive the car. Uh, I could not pick up or hold my son. My, my month old son could not, could not hold him. All those things that dads do with their little kids, you know, like I couldn't do any of that. Mm. And this proceed, like I could not open the door to my own office. Someone else had to open the door for me. It was insane. Oh, um, <laughs> and this goes on, not just for a week, not a month. It, this goes on for about eight months. Oh, shoot. And I, yeah. Eight months, bro. 
and I go to physical therapy. I went, I, you know, I probably went to 20 physical therapy sessions. I went to a chiropractor. I got um, steroid injections. I got steroid cream rubbed into my arm. I had x-rays done. I had electrical stimulation stuff done to me. I had my spine stretched. Everything, everything. Um, uh, short of surgery. I did not have surgery, uh, but we had x-rays done in, in preparation for surgery. Uh, and x-rays came back inconclusive and they said they could not determine what the course, what the source of my pain was. Uh, and what I really realized is that I think the source of my pain was that it was my own stupidity, uh, and that I had overworked myself and I'd also suppressed you know, my conscience back when I was like, we're going to do this project, right? And I had mixed motives in the first place. And my wife had been advising me not to. And I was like, no, we're going to do it. And I think God really used that to just kind of whip me up the side of my head. And one last thing I'll add to this, Jerry, I know I've been talking a while here, but one last thing I'll, well, one last thing I'll add on here is the crazy thing about all of this is that um, the month before I had you know, launched this viral video project. Um, you know, I was working full time on my podcast and working for some other clients. Um, but the month before all this happened with the viral video and arm lockup, my church had come to me and my wife and they said, hey, we're about to launch this new marriage class. And we're looking for like six couples to participate. We've got some older couples, but we'd like some younger couples to be in it as well. Would you guys mind joining this, you know, this marriage class? It's going to be a, an intensive, you know, like a four month deep dive into marriage and, you know, things. And it's a, it's a curriculum that's produced by Watermark Church in Dallas, actually. And so we said, sure, you know, we'll do that. Well, just like any other marriage class, if you've ever been part of one, you'll know that the more you put in, the more you'll get out, right? And so, uh, so we're going into this class. And of course, I'm thinking like, hey, our marriage is solid. You know, like we we love the Lord. Uh, we've got two kids. You know, I'm serving the Lord with my podcast. Our marriage is tight, you know. And of course, the the flip side, my wife is actually thinking like, no, our marriage is kind of like rocky and unstable. <laughs> and, you know, and so um, suddenly this arm injury thing happens and I can no longer work, right? The podcast season just grinds to a halt. It's it's only finished by me standing over my wife's shoulder and telling her, okay, click here, click this, click this, click this, click that, because she's not a podcast editor or anything, right? So just insane, right? And so like she's taking care of our brand new baby and our two-year-old at the same time. I'm no help. I can't change diapers. I can't pick the baby out of the bed, nothing. So she's like literally taking care of kids and nursing all day long. And then at night, she's in the office with me editing the podcast as I'm hovering over her shoulder telling her what to do. It's just crazy. But suddenly, you know, I, I could no longer use my arms, but I could still use my voice. And we suddenly had the time to speak about our marriage and have deep conversations. So every week we'd go to this marriage class, come back, and we would spend hours, sometimes hours every day, just talking about our marriage and the Lord and what was God doing through our work and what was God doing through our marriage and what where were my motives and things were mixed up and you know things that I'd been like suppressing and pushing away in our marriage and it was just a, a, a insane amount, number of things that God just convicted me about and I realized that if it had not become been because of this arm injury I never would have dedicated that amount of time to spend talking about our marriage and our walk with the Lord but because of the arm injury. I couldn't do anything else. I couldn't work. I didn't have a job, uh, but I could sure talk, and we talked a lot, and our marriage came out stronger for that. Um, yeah, so anyways, that's a super random story. 
back to your original question. Oh, man. Uh, Not as random as you think, though, because that is the story behind the story you told back at Spark Conference. So for me, I'm like, no way. I'm getting the prequel now. This is like all the context. I'm like, this This is amazing. So uh, so not as random as you may think. And, and folks, you got to check out the show notes to this episode afterwards. I'll link to that original story. Uh, it, it's only like four or five minutes long, but it kind of leaves you hanging like, okay, well, what was going on? You just heard it all here. That was yeah. everything going on. Uh, uh, and I'm almost like forgetting what the original question, but, but it was around, you know, what was that biggest challenge? And uh, yeah. anyway, go ahead. Uh, back to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think it all ties back together. It's just like, you know, what are some of the struggles that we've had, you know, trying to be a podcaster and everything? And I'll say one thing is like, hey, first off, you know, for anyone listening and you, whether you're a podcaster or not a podcaster, right, you're a, a dude that wants to like, you know, pursue business and you've got a job or whatever, you know, just know that like the Lord should be paramount in all things that you do, right? I learned this the very hardest way, right? Like, uh, you know, it's now been two years since my arm injury. I'm still recovering from it. I've regained a lot of the usage. Like I can drive a car, I can feed myself and stuff like that. Uh, but I still have pain weekly. Um, in fact, probably daily in my left arm, I'll still have nerve pain shoots up like a needle in my wrist all the time. Um, and then, you know, I'm still limited, right? Like I can drive a couple hours a day, but I can't drive four or eight, you know, can't do road trips and stuff like that. Um, but you know, I, I could say that, you know, I wish that I had learned this lesson without having to do the whole arm thing. So two things I'll offer. One is, you know, <laughs> right. when you have when you have mixed motives, guess what? You know, when you have mixed motives, God has a way of like getting back at you, right? Like uh and not, not like to be facetious here, but it's like, you know, um I would just say like, you know, if you think you're invincible, because I sure thought I was like, I was a spreadsheet genius. I was so good at spreadsheets and I can't do spreadsheets anymore. Uh and God just kind of got a way of got a got a way of getting a hold of my attention, you know. Um, the second thing I'll add is just like, hey, when your wife, if she is saying like, hey, this is a bad idea, dude, really consider what she's saying. Like, I've learned this the hard way. And this has happened a couple other times in, my, in our, our marriage where I like, I was for certain like, you know, okay, I had this great idea. My wife's like, no, we shouldn't do that. And I was like, no, we're going to do it. And we do it anyways. And then it was like, oh, babe, you were so right all along, you know. And so one of the litmus tests that I now use for any particular project that I'm thinking on taking on is I always ask my wife, and if we cannot come to agreement together, I always remember what happened two years ago. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just trust God on this one, that God has got this figured out. And I'm just going to go with my wife's intuition on this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So oh, that's brilliant. Um, I, I was just sharing a story with somebody I know the other day. Um, we were talking about multi-level marketing and, and um, but not like making a blanket statement for or against them. Just there was one in particular though, that uh, the, the folks pitching it to me were very pushy. Uh, you know, we'd li- only listened because, uh, a friend of ours had just become one of their representatives. And of course, they're going through their network of people they know who's likely to do this. They thought somehow Jerry would. Uh, and that person, yeah. uh, he, he was, um, I guess, misunderstood that I have a lifetime ban from doing multi-level marketing from my wife. <laughs> so, uh, but we, we indulged him. We Because we, he presented to me that he needed to practice the presentation. And we said, great. Yeah. You, as long as you understand, no is the answer. Uh, we'll yeah. we'll help you be the practice. We'll we'll give some of our time to you to let you practice your presentation. Uh, but understand, hands down, I am categorically not allowed to do multi level marketing um, because I agreed with my wife that that would be. So we do the in home one, and they invite us. You know, hey, come to the main one. I'm like, great, I'll be there. Um, so I'm playing along as the person that's his prospect, and we go to the the, the main group and. Um, but it's the regional director that's there. And so even though I'm the practice presentation, um, 
it's clear that the regional guy is going to make a sale. He, he's yeah. going to show off. He's got it in his head. He's going to show off. And it, it's a group that claim to be very strong in, you know, helping Christians fulfill their purpose through their platform. And, um, and I'm just thinking, I don't I got a weird feeling about this. And I remember yeah. telling the guy, um, you know, I've got an agreement with my wife. I don't do multi-level marketing. And the guy tells me, I kid you not his exact words, come on, man up, be the leader and the head of your household, sign up right now, later into this, Get her caught up later. She'll thank you later. But man up right now and do this. And as soon as he said that, I was like, thank you. You've told me everything. I need. And he's saying this in front of people I know from church. And wow. so this guy's a total stranger to me. But everybody in the room is somebody I know. And uh, they all know that uh, my wife and I are local ministry directors for Family Life Ministries. Yeah. And so if, like, we're like four or five years deep in helping people go to marriage uh classes and and strengthening their marriage so it's kind of like as soon as they heard him say you need a man up and be the head of your house and sign up for this thing and just bring her along she'll catch up it's you know he was using like references to cortez burning the ships behind him kind of thing like conquistador style and i yeah i looked him in the eye and i'm like did you really just go christian headship on me here um because if that's your angle, then this is a no go and that's easy. And he's like, well, what's wrong with you? Don't you know your theology? And I'm like, no, I, I know Jesus. And here's what I know. And I'm like, my wife and I have an agreement. We don't make a decision financially over a hundred dollars without talking to each other first. And you just asked me to go against that. Yeah. But that's an agreement I have with my wife. And he's like, well, you know, somebody just got to tell you the way it is. I'm like, I don't go to bed with you. <laughs> and when I said that, he's like, well, you know, you just don't know your Bible. I'm like, I know what's on my heart and my wife Dude. and I have an agreement and she and I are one flesh. And what you're telling me is you want to get in the middle of that flesh. And that's a big no go. I don't swing that way. I am sorry. Uh, have a good night. I'm going to go home. Hey, my friend, uh, I'll talk to you later, but we're done. And, and off I go. And the guy's like still trying to push. And I'm like, yeah. seriously, you do not try to tear apart what God put together and yeah. out the door I went. I quoted scripture on the guy without telling him I was quoting scripture. Uh, but once I said it, pastor's wife who was in the room saw it and it was like, oh, it was not not a head pastor, but a pastor's wife yeah. saw it. And she's like, oh, and I think she quit like after that yeah. night and somebody else yeah. saw it and they're like, ah, I gotta go. I got a thing. And like it killed his business. Yep. And, yep. Um, and it's just like, but the whole point I'm making is like you and your spouse are in a sense, one flesh, you know, symbolically, mm. metaphorically, uh, politically, you're a team and you work together in tandem. And you, so beyond the rut, there's, there's five circles that we really focus on the five F's, uh, your faith, uh, your family, your fitness, your finances, and your outlook on future possibility. And what I heard you saying was that there was a moment in your life where that family part, those relationships weren't as tightened up as you thought. And in the name of your faith, you were pursuing what you thought you needed to do. Um, And it took a toll on your, your fitness as a result. And yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of people probably listening thinking, well, once he shored up everything with God, it it was good. It all clicked. Or Jerry's trying to say that if you don't have enough faith, you have sickness and this and that. I'm like, no, uh, he had a gap in his family area and it started impacting other areas. And once he recognized that addressed it, things started to get better. And I mean, you still have these reminders though, that kind of 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And I would even say this that, you know, like, you know, I was using I was using faith to sort of justify yeah. what I was doing, but I don't think I was acting in faith. Like I I did not have a clear calling from God to go and make this campaign happen. You know, like I it was more it was so that I wanted to have the feather in my cap and I could justify it from like this sort of faith angle, right? Mm-hmm. But in the honesty of my own heart, like and I, I believe that God still used it, right? God still made good things happen from that and God still works through the idiocy of our lives, right? Yeah. And good things can still <laughs> happen from that. But good still think good things could have still have happened from that without me have doing done doing that foolish decision, right? Yeah. Uh, and God still could have used other means to free that boy miraculously. Uh, I didn't have to be the conduit for that to happen. But God still, you know, uh, was gracious enough to let that boy be freed and gracious enough to also teach me a lesson. But I'm still dealing with the physical manifestations of, you know, some unwise decisions that yeah. I made there. Yeah. It's almost like uh, rather than like you think you're you're compelled to go do something and maybe it was more impulse driving you. Yeah. Uh, so cause, I mean, it's hard to tell the difference between the two. How do you know that it's compulsion that's driving you versus yeah. impulsion? Impulsion, yeah. impulse, impulse. impulse yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Whatever the word I, is, guys, look it up. <laughs> yeah. I actually have a – that's a great question, actually, because I actually have I've had this thought before. And one thing is that, for me at least – if I can't get an idea out of my head after a couple of weeks, then I'll really, really consider at that point. Yeah. I always use my wife as a sounding board. Um, I know that I have an impulsive nature, right? So, like, if I could, I'd probably launch, like, you know, three projects a week sort of thing. But normally, if I feel strong, like, oh, I really want to do this thing. It's going to be this massive hit or whatever. I'll, I'll remind myself about my past. And I'll say, okay, I'm going to think about this. I'll, I'll, I'll have to force myself to push the brakes for a couple weeks. And after a couple weeks, if I still think it's, you know, pretty powerful, then I'll start calling some friends and talk to them and, you yeah. know, bounce some ideas around. Oh, yeah. I, that's why I use my wife as a sounding board. Um, for those of you listening in right now, that's the key thing. You know, you get hit with an impulsive idea, you know, really discern. Is that an impulse or is that truly you being compelled to do something? And and as Paul said, you know, if you if you can step back from it and that thought and that idea is still there and it's strong four weeks later, five weeks later, three months later. That is a thing that's on your heart to go do. Um, and then go do it. Yeah. Otherwise you are in a rut. 10 years later, yeah. you're like, you know, I always wanted to write a book. And it's like, well, why didn't you? Yeah. I insert excuse here. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> that's right, man. Awesome. Now, if folks want to find your show and listen to it, where can they listen to that? Totally. So you can find us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, wherever you're listening to Beyond the Rut right now, you can find us there too. Just search for Compelled. Uh, or you can also go to our website, compelledpodcast.com. And I would suggest that you listen to our most recent episodes. So if you listen to our very first season, we were still figuring out how in the world we were going to make this podcast thing work. So listen to our most recent episodes. Those are definitely the best episodes that we've got out there. Of course, all those stories are really excellent. Um, one story I'll just give you a teaser mm-hmm. for. Uh, I think it's episode 27. It was with Brian Birdwell. And he was this guy. He had been in the Army for like 20 years, just a regular dude had a one kid they were homeschooling him uh and maybe he was in that rut too that we talk about right like the army was his career one day he went to his uh workplace which was at the pentagon it was september 11th 2001 uh and a plane crashed into the side of the building about 100 feet away from him and he was set on fire and blown across into the other side of the room anyone who was closer to the impact site than him is dead he is the only person who is that close who is still alive 
and he his testimony is incredible. And he walked away from that being compelled. He believed that God had kept him alive. And of course, he had a, this massive ridge recovery, but he believed that God had kept him alive for a specific purpose. And he didn't know what that purpose was, but he knew that he was still here on earth for a reason. And he was compelled to find that purpose. And so he uh, eventually started a ministry. Now he is a Texas state senator uh, up in the Granbury area. So nice. Uh, but yeah, really great guy. But yeah, listen to that episode. That's a great starter episode. That's episode 27. Awesome. And before we take off, any final words of wisdom for those listening? Uh, you know what? I, I would just say again, like, hey, if you are married, uh, value what your wife has to say, especially if she walks with the Lord. Uh, if you're not married and you're looking to get married, then look for a wise wife. We'll look for <laughs> yes. someone that, consider that. I mean, I'm serious. Like, as you're looking for a woman, yeah, you you know, you've got your list of things, but also think about, like, what kind of counsel does she provide, even now as an unmarried woman? Uh, maybe you don't know who this person is, but look for someone who's wise. Uh, I'd really suggest that. Nice. Awesome. Paul, it was great to have you on the show. I'm glad we were able to connect and yes. share this with others out there. Um, thank you again. Thank you, Jerry. Appreciate your time, man. I want to thank you for staying with us this entire episode. Uh, be sure to check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 310. There you'll find links to the Compelled Podcast, Paul Hastings' bio, uh, as well as other episodes of folks we've interviewed here on Beyond the Rut who are friends to Paul Hastings. That's right. Paul has friends. Don't we all? We should all have friends. There we go. All right. Now, the best way you can pay this show back is to pay it forward. So hit that share button on however you're listening to this show right now and send this episode to a friend, a family member, a coworker, or that neighbor across the street. That's right. Maybe your neighbor needs to hear this episode. Who knows? If you haven't seen them in a while, maybe they're burned out. They need your help. Now, that's all I've got for this week. I look forward to joining you again next week. But until then, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Cap Show, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.